Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. Excited to be alive and in a new year. <laughs> Thank God, right? We got through that one. Did you make resolutions? Well, we talked about our resolutions last week. And how are you doing on yours? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Yeah? You know, it's hard getting balance, but I'm kind to myself. Well, I got confirmation of what I needed to do. <laughs> I, I visited, I had a Reiki session last night. Very cool. Yeah. And he told me that... It seemed like I had a lot of yeast in me and I needed to quit sugar. <laughs> I was like, all right, nice. well, so I'm stopping sugar and it fucking sucks. Let me just tell you. I know. I haven't been doing sugar <laughs> since the first five days. In. And it's made me very, very agitated. And does it? What yeah. about I've been eating berries a lot so that I can have sugar. I have. I'm not zero sugar yet. Because there's some things I'm just not willing to yeah. toss out just to waste them because I happened to buy them before I decided, huh, I'm not going to do as much sugar. But I'm not having any... I'm not intentionally like eating, eating sweets. sweets. That's where I'm at. I, I, you know, I love chocolate. I'm not having that yeah. every night. Yes. Um, I was having baked goods, literally, mm, either doing some type you. of galat Someone got me turned on to galots. I had a, I had a, I like to call it galot, like, so I can say I had a lot of like a galot. A culotte. <laughs> galette, galot. Tomato, are great tomato. because you can put all sorts of fruits and anything in them, yes, and you use like a maybe an apricot jam or something mm-hmm. to to yeah, go yeah, over but it. You're still, yeah. you know, the crust and the sweets and the just yeah. triggers a craving for more sweets. Yeah. So now it's just yogurt, fresh berries. I'm eating a lot of nuts. Yeah, I like nuts. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love nuts? I like a good pecan. <laughs> like a pecan. <laughs> you like a nice walnut or a pecan. <laughs> so for 2021, we are bringing something new to Gavin Girl Time. Yes. And we're going to have something called Healthy Talk. We're calling it Healthy Talk <laughs> with the... We're going to gab with the girls of Gab and Girl Time about healthy issues. Our guest today is a very good friend of mine. I love her so much. And she's going to talk to us about your pelvic floor. Yeah. Like, so what? Hold on. I got to introduce her. I'm glad that you're so excited about talking about the pelvic floor because I am always <laughs> as excited about talking about the pelvic floor. So I can't wait. So. This is Dr. As she is in my phone, Emily Pace. Hi. Yay. Thank you guys so much for having me. Like Jen knows really well, I will talk to anybody about the pelvic floor as long as they want me to talk about the pelvic floor because I think it's so important and people just don't talk enough about it. And, you know, we're in the South. We don't talk about down there. So there's so many mm. issues that people are ignoring or putting off or think are just normal. 
And they're not. There's so much that we can do to support everybody, because everybody has a pelvic floor, in their overall health. Explain to people who have no idea what a pelvic floor is, what is your pelvic floor. Yeah. So your pelvic floor is a group of muscles that lives between your pubic bone, which is that little bone at the very bottom of your pelvis. So if you have a vagina, the clitoris sits a little bit underneath it. If you have a penis, the 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 start of the shaft is a little bit below that. And then those muscles go from that pubic bone all the way back to your tailbone in the back. Mm-hmm. And they're almost like a bowl at the bottom of your pelvis that help to support all of your organs. They keep urine and stool in until you have to go to the bathroom. They should then relax to allow all that to come out. They also help with sexual function. I like to joke that sex is everybody's favorite sport, and I treat that. Mm-hmm. Um, they help with supporting your pelvis as a whole because it's the bottom part of it and then also helps with lymphatic function meaning like if you're if you don't have good blood flow if things aren't circulating well it helps to kind of push that fluid down from the lower pelvis back into the rest of your body very similar to how your calf muscle does that for your lower leg so it's a really cool group of muscles and they're very ignored and they have so many functions that are so important to all of us right yes because i'm first heard of pelvic floor therapy and I was like what is pelvic floor therapy mm-hmm. so now what is pelvic floor therapy yeah <laughs> so I like to say that pelvic floor therapy is orthopedics in a cave so I treat spine I treat SI joint I treat hip joint I treat um basically anything from when I'm in the pelvic floor world I kind of think nipple to knee but really to be a very good pelvic floor therapist you're treating a whole person you're treating a whole system you're treating a whole body and problems that might be presenting at the pelvic floor may have causes elsewhere in the body so I need to have really good orthopedic skills to treat the back to treat the um, the hip, knee, ankle, shoulder, neck, whatever Mm -hmm. is contributing to those problems. Specifically with pelvic floor, we tend to focus on more of that pelvic area and the the issues that come along with it. But really, it's no different than treating any other muscle group. We just can't see it as well. And -hmm. again, there's a lot of shame wrapped up in it. There's a lot of secrecy wrapped up in the pelvic area. And so being able to talk about it and being comfortable saying, you know, things like, oh, I'm peeing on myself or, oh, sex hurts and right. sh- and isn't intentionally hurting. Um, you know, those are things that are really important to be addressed. You actually <laughs> just answered one of my questions, but I'd like for you to elaborate on it a little bit more, if you would, because um, what are some of the symptoms of a weak pelvic floor? And also, how do you evaluate if someone has a weak pelvic pelvic floor. Yeah. So the fun part about the pelvic floor is that weakness is not the only thing that will make you have dysfunction in that area. I like to think of pelvic floor as Goldilocks. If those muscles are too short and tight, they're not going to work the way that they should. If they're too weak, they're not going to support you in the way that you should. And some of those symptoms might overlap. So typically, when I think of my assessment and I'm thinking, okay, this person's complaining of urinary incontinence or like heaviness and pressure in the pelvic area, fecal incontinence, um, those types of things. I am going to assess to make sure that those muscles are strong enough Mm -hmm. to support the system through that. But if those muscles are a little bit short and tight, then they're functionally weak too. And so they might be having symptoms of urinary incontinence, painful intercourse, painful bowel movements, and generalized pelvic pain. And that's a result of that too tight muscle versus that too weak muscle. The first time I ever peed on myself as, Mm -hmm. as an adult was jumping on the trampoline uh, with my kids 
when I was in my 30s. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What have I done? And I'm, I know it's because I've had, I had had three children at that point and things were probably not as uh, strong as they needed to be. But I was horrified that I had done that. Um, I'm not ashamed of it. I sneeze. Little pee comes out. Mm-hmm. It sucks. I have to be real. I've done Kegels like for a super yeah. duper long time, but I still, I do have a little issue here and there on occasion, but it's frequency mm-hmm. is really bad. More so like the urgency to go, even if you don't need to go, I mean, or I think I should be able to hold it more. And a lot of it is, you know, you're trying to drink tons of water a day and flush everything mm-hmm. out and, mm-hmm. you know. And urgency and frequency can be a sign of a overtight pelvic floor. And a lot of people think Kegels are the only thing that I do. Gosh, if I just had patients doing Kegels all day, I would not be at my job. I would be right, so, exactly. so bored. So <laughs> really, with a pelvic floor, it has to be strong and flexible. It has to be able to support you against gravity. So that big pressure down from a sneeze, especially while you're standing, that's a lot of work for your pelvic floor. And I know you were talking about, Jen, that your first experience with leakage was on the trampoline as a 30-year-old. There are so many young female athletes that have urinary incontinence, especially like your high-level gymnasts and your cheerleaders, because of the amount of strain that they put on their body Mm -hmm. and the amount of impact that they take. So it is not unusual for these young female athletes to have had incontinence for a very long time. Mm. That's wild. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So Kegels aren't the end-all be-all. Pelvic floor is part of a bigger system. Your pelvic floor muscles and your deep core muscles work together as a team. And so you can Kegel until the cows come home, but if the rest (laughs) of the system is not working, it's not going to fix the problem. And sometimes if you're doing Kegels and your symptoms get worse, a couple things could be going on. You could have that too tight muscle that we Mm -hmm. talked about, and it could be that you're doing it wrong. Right. Which is a problem. And you could be doing it too much. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, I, I hear one of two things out of my patients. Oh, I Kegel at every stoplight. I kind of do it whenever I think about it, whatever position I'm in, I'm th- I, I think about it and I do it. Or I'm doing 100 a day. And it's got to be somewhere in between, right? 100 mm-hmm. a day is not realistic. But that seems like a lot. It is a lot. It is. But what we know in the research is somewhere between... 50 and 100 squeezes a day will help you to build strength in the muscles. And to maintain strength, you have to do a little bit of work for that. So it's somewhere between 30 and 50 squeezes a day. Mm -hmm. Generally, I'll start my patients out at somewhere between 40 and 60 squeezes, depending on their pelvic floor strength, depending on the assessment, depending on what their activity level is. And then if that's too much, if their symptoms start to increase, then we actually back off on how many of those we're doing a day. Should you do should you do those all at one time or can you do them in sets throughout the day? Because yeah. I would think a hundred would not be a lot if you're doing like ten sets every thirty minutes or something like that. You yeah, know, if you can remember wants, to do that. I who know. wants to think about it right. that much, yeah. right? So I I don't like people to do all of their squeezes all at one time. So generally a recommendation that I make is a set of ten long and ten short in the morning a similar set of 10 long and 10 short in the evening. And if you find time for one more in between, great. If you don't, no big deal. I really try not to be like, you must do this thing and do it all the time because I work with a lot of new moms and like, that's just not realistic. Right. And I want this to be, I want this treatment to be a kind of 
habit-based treatment. We're training you to do these things, creating these habits around these exercises. So long-term, I don't have to see you again. I love my patients. I do. But I also love when they get better and can go about their life again. And explain the difference between the long-short. Like, Mm -hmm. explain to me what short means and then what a long Kegel means. Yeah. So in your pelvic floor and really in every muscle, you have a certain percent of the muscle fibers that are like fast twitch muscles. So those are like your sprinter muscles. They turn on and they turn off. They're very quick. So for like a quick squeeze of your pelvic floor, I'll go through a couple cues that might resonate. So a lot of people talk about stopping the flow of urine. Don't actually stop the stop the flow of urine because that's not good for your bladder. Right. But imagine that you're going to try to do that. So if you're going to do a quick Kegel, you do a qu- like that quick stop the flow of urine, hold it for just a second, and then totally let it go. A lot of people will squeeze and then half let it go and try to squeeze again. And that's not really good for your pelvic floor either in the initial stages. There's a time and place for that, but not if, as your only way to exercise. So that's how you get your sprinter muscles. A longer hold hits those endurance fibers. And so I think of those fibers as more like your marathon runners, and they're the ones that help you through your whole day, support your whole pelvis. And to do a longer hold, that's going to look very different for different people. So if you're just starting to do Kegels for the first time, sometimes that's like a three to five second hold. You find that contraction, you hold it, you count, and as soon as you start to feel let go, then you rest and you're done with that longer hold. And then usually for most patients, depending again on activity level and what they're trying to get back to, I will work up to a longer hold of somewhere. Most women, I'll get like 10 to 15 second holds. Most men, I will get probably closer to a 20-ish second hold. And for my endurance athletes or people who are asking a lot of their body, we go to like a 25 second hold. I don't see a whole lot of benefit past that. There's some for some bowel function stuff, but you can cheat and use other muscles. But 25 seconds for your pelvic floor is a lot, mm-hmm. and it's it's challenging. And so that can take up a good bit of time if you're trying to do 100 of those a day. Okay. And mm-hmm. so as long as you've held that contraction, then you should rest for that same period of time so those muscles can recover, and you can do that good contraction again. How do you know? Like, how how do you assess mm-hmm. that? Do you do an internal examination? I do. Um, we have a lot of options, though. So not everybody's comfortable with an internal mm-hmm. assessment of their pelvic floor, and that's totally fine. Um, so generally, I start my full assessment by sitting down and having a conversation with my patient. What symptoms are you having? Um, what concerns do you have? What do you want to get back to that you're not doing? And general medical history of like surgeries, injuries, anything else that might be contributing to their symptoms. So then I do a very thorough musculoskeletal exam. I'll look at the spine if it's appropriate. I'll look at the SI joint, hip joint, abdominal wall. And then the last thing I do is a pelvic floor assessment. Because again, pelvic floor doesn't live on an island by itself. And if that's all that I assessed all day, I'd be really bored. So that assessment, generally, I will have patients undressed from the waist down. We are in a very private room. No one walks in on us. We're not like in the middle of the gym at Mm -hmm. a PT clinic doing this. So it looks a little bit different than a traditional like PT exam. But the pelvic floor examination is just a gloved hand. I put pressure on the muscles and I generally start on the outside. So kind of working my way from the pubic bone back to that tailbone. And if a patient's not comfortable with an internal evaluation, 
we just stick with the external, mm-hmm. see what they, if they can contract, see if they can relax, see if they can lengthen, which is kind of another piece of that full range of motion of your pelvic floor. And then from there, we make a game plan of how to get them feeling better. If I do an internal evaluation, I can do that rectally and I can do that vaginally. And so depending on what the symptoms are and patient's comfort level depends on which one I do. Generally, for most people with vaginas, I'm really trying to be inclusive with my language, so I apologize if I slip a little bit, but for people with vaginas that are comfortable, I will pick a vaginal evaluation over a rectal. And it's a little bit different than like a traditional GYN exam, like the gynecologist puts in the speculum, spreads everything Uh open, shoves their head in, pulls out, and goes about their day. I mean, it's exaggeration, but it can feel like they're going, I mean, they have an end goal. They have to get to your cervix. They have to check the health of that. And that's very important. But my assessment doesn't have to be that. Right. My assessment is what are your muscles letting me do? And I'm not going to push past that because some of those conditions where those muscles are too tense and too tight, I'll try to do an internal exam on the first day and I can't because those muscles just won't let me in. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That gives me a lot of information. That gives me a starting point and helps me to guide the patient moving forward. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what do you, I mean, you know what to feel for, but do you feel the difference in like a short muscle or a longer one or, you know, do you, you can feel all of that by your exam? Yes. What's going on in there? Yeah. So like if you take, (laughs) take your hand and put it on your upper trap, that muscle that goes between your neck and your shoulder, feel how tense and tight that is. Mm -hmm. Most of us are a little bit grumpy through there. That is what it feels like when your pelvic floor is tight. And so because of the way the muscles are situated, if we're going vaginally for the assessment, there's also a group of muscles that go around the opening of the vagina that Mm kind of act like a gatekeeper. And so sometimes I can't even get past that muscle. So that's kind of our start point. Um, And if I can get past that muscle and get to those deeper layer of muscles, then if I'm feeling that kind of upper trap kind of feeling, then I know that's a short and tight muscle. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times, just depending on symptoms, I'll have them try to do that pelvic floor contraction or a Kegel and then see what happens when that does it and then see what happens when they relax. Sometimes, because obviously a stranger has her finger in your vagina, when you're doing that first initial assessment, there's a little anxiety around that. Mm-hmm. So if you do one contraction... Unless you're really good friends. That's true. I was going <laughs> to ask if you, you know, gave cocktails... No. While they were waiting in the waiting room? <laughs> I don't. There, there's something about consent and needing yeah, you to yeah, be yeah. very aware of what I'm doing. But you're a professional. You're a trained professional. Yes. Um, That's what I, that was supposed to lean into the what okay. are your qualifications. <laughs> um, so I actually have a doctor of physical therapy. I graduated from ETSU in 2011. And I actually started working with patients with pelvic floor dysfunction when I was still in school. I did my whole last internship. It was 15 weeks with a pelvic floor therapist. And Celebrating she, your decade this very year. It's How coming exciting. up. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that. How did you get that interest that you said, I'm going to work on pelvic floor? Like, you know, I want to do some kind of physical therapy. This is my niche right here. How did you decide that? Was it something that you always were fascinated with? I actually thought about going to med school at one point, and I thought, like, OBGYN would be a really fun job, and then I realized, like, oh, that's a lot of work, and you don't have a whole lot of a life, you know, on call and things like that, and so... And so many things could happen. Malpractice insurance alone is enough to make me be like, "Mm, Mm. I just don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. You've taken all the fun out of it. (laughs) Yes. And and so... (laughs) Actually, at age 16, I had a little 
nothing injury and ended up in PT and rehabbed it really quickly. And I just thought, this is the coolest job ever. They know so many things and I want to do that. And so I I did my whole undergrad with the goal of, I'm going to be a physical therapist. This is going to be the greatest job ever. And then when it came time to apply to PT school, I went, oh, fuck, I don't know if I can commit to this. So I talked to my advisor and I took a year off and I worked for a PT in Tri-Cities area. And she was wonderful. And she she treated all sorts of things. She was, you know, kind of your basic orthopedic clinic, necks, backs, knees, shoulders, whatever. But she also did a little bit of pelvic floor treatment. Um, I kind of call it pelvic floor light because she did like urinary incontinence and basic strengthening program for these patients. She didn't go into more like your complex pelvic pain or some of your painful intercourse patients, things like that. But she really enjoyed the strengthening part. And so she helped patients through that. And I was like, oh, we can do that. That is so cool. And so through school, I was like, if there's anything that comes up, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. And I was on a six week internship my clinical instructor was on vacation for a week and they had a pelvic floor therapist and he said, do you want to hang out with her for a week while I'm gone and see if you like it? And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a try. And I did my first pelvic assessment with her and I was like, oh God, I just put my finger in somebody's vagina. And I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. you know. And so from there I was like, this is it. This is what I need to be doing. And I learned a long time ago, like, if I fight it, it's going to keep coming up and I'm going to not be happy. I just need to roll with it. This is where my heart is. This is where my passion is. And the more that I learned about what we can do for people, the more I wanted to do this. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little about your videos that you produce and where can they find them? Yeah. So I, I treat a lot of postpartum women and there's a lot of frustration around lack of care in the postpartum time period in the United States and really across the world, but particularly in the United States. And so I had so many women come to me and go, why didn't anybody tell me this could happen? Or years down the road, be like, oh, I'm still peeing on myself after I had babies 30 years ago, or I, this problem started when I had kids and nobody told me there was anything I could do about it. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to increase the awareness of what we can do for pelvic health, particularly in postpartum. Because if we can capture that point in time with women and tell them, like, here's all the things that we can help you with, if anything comes up, then they know who to come back to. Mm -hmm. And then we talk to each other a lot, right? Like, we talk about things with our friends and tell them, oh, my gosh, I just had this crazy experience. This woman just checked my pelvic floor and did all these things, but actually I feel better and my leakage is getting better and this this is really amazing and has been really helpful for my life and getting back to feeling like I'm normal. And so I think if we can start addressing these things earlier, then we're going to minimize these people who have issues for years and years and years and finally end up needing surgery or, you know, they've been so blown off by the medical profession that they just feel like there's nothing that they can do about it. So I started creating um, courses around like postpartum care for from a musculoskeletal standpoint. So how do you lift and carry your baby after you've had a, a delivery and you're worried about, you know, protecting your back and pelvic floor? Mm-hmm. How do you manage the first six weeks after you have a baby? And then how do you start working out again? And um, unfortunately, there's only one of me and I still work a full-time job. So mm-hmm. it does not happen nearly as quickly as mm-hmm. I had hoped. But I created a company called Pace Yourself Physical Therapy because I have the best last name in the whole wide world for this. You do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and so 
through that, I'm creating um, the first big course that we're putting out hopefully in the next four weeks is our goal. I have a partner who's working with me on this. It's pace yourself postpartum. And it's how do you manage your body in that first six to eight weeks after you have a baby? And I'll tell it's, you, I would love to have had something like mm-hmm. that when I had had my babies. I had two C-sections and then a V-back. Mm-hmm. And while the V-back was easy, it was the most physically straining one on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so many women are like given a high five and said, good luck. Bye, I'll see you in six weeks. A lot Mm -hmm. can happen in six weeks. And Mm -hmm. most people don't know what to look for. They don't know what red flags to be aware of. They don't know what are kind of yellow flags that, oh, I need to keep an eye on this. Mm -hmm. And so we go through that. Um, My business partner in this is Alexis Helmrath. She runs Fierce Mama Fitness, which is personal training for anybody with pelvic floor, but particularly women. Um, And she does coaching and training for that. So she's created the exercise piece of it. So it comes with a six-week exercise program. It comes with a couple, I think it's about an hour and some change worth of videos, um, all educating on what has happened in this whole pelvic area, what can I do to kind of get back on track. And when I say exercise program, I don't mean like it's going to be like a CrossFit, you're going to like kick your own butt kind of thing. It's like, how do I reconnect with my pelvic floor? How do I move in a way that protects my body when I'm lifting and carrying this tiny human that just came out of my vagina or out of my belly? Mm -hmm. And so our hope is that you use that in that first six weeks as you're recovering, and then you go see a pelvic floor therapist who can help guide you on your specific journey moving forward. I guess this may, you've already answered from the shorter muscles or longer muscles, but as a woman of a certain age, can you cause your vagina to atrophy? Can you cause your pelvic floor to show some atrophy by ignoring the health? You know, once you've stopped menstruating, you you know, you go like a year, now they're like uh, a couple years, they don't even care anymore. It's like, eh, whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't use a muscle, you lose strength in it. But mm-hmm. the good news is you use your pelvic floor all the time, even if you don't realize it. Just sitting here, your pelvic floor is part of that support system to keep you upright. When you go from sitting to standing, your pelvic floor has to kick in to support you. So you use your pelvic floor all the time. Generally, postmenopausal atrophy tends to talk about vaginal atrophy, which is a little bit different from pelvic floor muscles. The vaginal atrophy is just those the wall of your mm-hmm. vagina versus the muscles. They're different structures. Okay. And so vaginal atrophy typically happens when you have a drop in estrogen. And a lot of times, if you are an appropriate candidate, your physician can help you manage that a little bit mm-hmm. better. Now, I will say, as you plump up those tissues, as you get things more supported, your pelvic floor appreciates that estrogen, and it can help with some leakage issues. It can help with some, um, sometimes the urgency and frequency stuff too, just depending on kind of what the cause of that is. Um, But sometimes the painful intercourse too that you can get Mm -hmm. um, post-menopausal, that all can be really helped with some hormonal treatment. But also, sometimes you need a little bit more. If those muscles have gotten a little short and tight over mm-hmm. time uh, with the lack of estrogen, sometimes you need a little bit of estrogen, a little bit of pelvic floor treatment to get you back to feeling like yourself again. That's interesting. I kind of wanted to touch on the stigma a little bit of, have you been to other parts of the country where this is more of a thing rather than in the South? Like you said, people are very shameful of their lower region. For what reason? I have no idea. 
it's it's all part of the body people <laughs> um it's very important to your overall health anyway so have you been to other places where this is more common that there's more practices out there for people like that have problems with their pelvic floor definitely and I think regionally, it depends on what you can and can't say to your patients. So in my continuing education, because I've done extensive training post um, after my degree to help me get to where I'm at right now, one of our instructors, she's from Seattle, and I love her. She's one of the founding pelvic floor therapists in the country. And so at one of her courses, she was like, and tell your patients to get out their mirror and look at their vagina and then thank them for the experience of being able to assess their vaginas or their pelvic floors. I don't remember how she phrased, phrased it. And I was like, oh, no, no, I live in the South. That will not fly. But she lives in Seattle. Right? So yeah. she can say things like that to her patients. It's just a very different world. I mean, I've looked at my vagina. Have you looked at mm-hmm. your vagina? All the time. All I'm the time. Looking at mine. Yeah. I mean, you Probably know. Probably too much. Yeah. Take a lot like, of pictures of it. What's wrong today? What's happening today? <laughs> <laughs> How are you betraying me today? I think that you need to fix your words to your vagina. <laughs> we need to only say nice vagina. things to our vagina. Oh, we need to talk nice them. to yes. her. Yes. Just talk nice to her. Remember on Big Mouth, the, yes. the vagina? She's just so sweet, and she's just like a cheerleader, yes. and she just wants to help you out. She's she not does. wrong. She just yeah. wants to help you out. Yeah, it's That's, true. Yeah. That's it. I know. I love her. <laughs> but it, it is interesting to see that in different parts of the country – things are a little bit different. Um, I worked in Memphis for several months, and while that's still in the South and it's still in the state of Tennessee, it was a very different awareness and openness to being treated versus what I saw when I first got out of school. And I will say, as I have been treating more, there's so much more conversation around the pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. and so many more people are willing to talk about the issues they've had and then what's helped them. And so I think some of that stigma as a new generation of women are having babies, that is changing. And I really think that's amazing. Definitely. Well, I just like you, because your mom was a nurse and always sex positive, she didn't have any trouble talking to you about your vagina or anything. I was very fortunate to grow up in a very sex positive household where we talked about our vagina both of my children know what a vagina is. If you ask my son what it cervix is, he can tell you. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't think that it's some foreign is that your elbow? I mean, you know, whatever. There is somebody, some kid who didn't know, some boy had no idea what a cervix was. There's so many women. There's, there's so yeah. many women there's that women. don't know what their cervix is. There's grown men who don't know what a cervix is. Correct. I mean, it's crazy, but like... There are a lot of women who don't realize that the urethra, where urine comes out, is different from your vagina. That those are two totally, totally different, different systems. Um, I had a, a patient at one point, she was older, and she had to catheterize herself for the first time. She's like, I didn't know! Why didn't anybody tell me this? This is... And I blame the schools. I blame public education. I do, because these things are important. And Mm -hmm. just like everything else on your body, I'm sorry, how would she not know that? She just never paid attention. Yeah. Which I get a lot of people. there's plenty of men out there, too, that think that. And they weren't taught that. Yeah. 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 We don't do a great job of pelvic anatomy. 
and we don't do a great job at function of the whole pelvis and all the cool things that can happen in this area. Like it's such a small area mm-hmm. and it gets so glossed over, even in PT school. Like I was like, Oh, and you've got some muscles there. And if you want to learn more about that, good luck to you. Um, fortunately, ETSU is doing a better job with that now. Um, I'll, I'll go up there, um, twice a year. I teach a class to the med school and I teach a, they're both just small lectures, uh, to the PT school and really give them, here's your pelvic floor and here's what it does. And here's what that looks like clinically. And it's so great to see that they are willing to grow and educate in a much better way to our providers, because these are the people that are often the gatekeepers for getting the help that people need. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between a female pelvic floor and then a male pelvic floor or is there any difference there are a couple so a pelvic floor with a vagina typically the pelvis is a little bit wider set and it has a hole in the middle that a pelvic floor without a vagina doesn't have typical male pelvises they are a little bit smaller and so those muscles aren't stretched across as big of a space so they're inherently just a little bit more stable pelvises that are that have vaginas tend to be a little bit wider to sit a little differently. And those muscles just have to work a little bit harder, which is why typically we think of women having pelvic floor issues, but men or penis havers can also have pelvic floor issues. Well, yeah, because I mean, they get incontinent as well. So does that have to do with their sphincter muscle as well? That whole muscle system in there? Or is it different than the whole rectum area, rectal area. So if we're looking inside the pelvis, your rectum and your bladder are very close to each other, but they're not the same system. They're totally separate systems, right? right? Yes. Um, In pelvic floor, in, in pelvises with a penis, there's also a prostate. Right. And so the prostate typically acts as a stopper. And so most people with prostates do not have leakage with cough, laugh, and sneeze unless that has been removed. Okay. Um, they can have leakage with a strong urge. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have urgency and frequency. They can have pain. But typically, unless there has been some sort of surgical interruption, that cough, laugh, and sneeze is not an issue because that prostate is a support system for them. Um, okay. Well, there you go. And well, if you have a uterus and a vagina, you don't have a prostate. They just get everything, don't they? Right? Well, they have their own <laughs> share of issues. And I will say, I will say, penis havers are much better about going to the doctor about issues. Because if their penis hurts, they want it fixed yesterday. So they're in the doctor at lunchtime. That is true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Women will, they'll be like, oh, they'll be embarrassed. Or I've something had a like baby. That. This is normal. Mm-hmm. I'll just live with it. Everyone I know does it. It's not a big deal. And as as people who bleed monthly, we're used to pads and things to keep things where they should be uh, and keep other people from knowing what's happening in that area. And so we just hide it and we just think it's fine. It's OK. It's normal. I don't have to think about this. This is not a big deal. Well, yeah, I mean, you got people, celebrities hawking poise pads mm-hmm. and everything else. So it's you think this is just something you have to live with. This is part of aging and your body breaking down and. You know, so she, but it doesn't you're saying it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be have to be, have to be, have that, to be way. that way. Absolutely not. Yes. I will say Poise did a really nice ad recently saying 
try to get pelvic floor therapy. I was like, yes, thank you. Nice. We do, for this, this is not, we don't have to be each other's enemies here. Like right. we can help each other for sure. Um, I think it's also challenging when celebrities start marketing gimmicky things um, mm-hmm. that, you know, like inserting jade eggs into your vagina and porous things that can cause bacterial infections, <laughs> saying they're going to fix yes. all of your pelvic floor woes. Like, yeah. mm. if it was that easy, nobody would have pelvic floor issues. Like, that's that's yes, not going to fix the thing your problem. About we should probably say definitely today. This is weird because my daughter and I were talking about this on. I had gotten her a crystal for, but we were talking about. Um, dildos that were made out of gemstones and how careful you have to be because people that don't know what they're doing don't just make anything into a dildo because (laughs) well because they think it's a gem but they don't realize that there's so many that are actually water soluble you'll have shards of gem could launch in your vagina i just can't imagine somebody giving me a jade dildo dildo or something i mean i mean and Using it. But people use glass dildos all the time, and they're way more comfortable, actually. It doesn't seem like it. You would think, oh, my gosh, it's glass. How can this be comfortable? But they, it warms to your body heat. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, it's a nice, it's a comfortable dildo, actually, a glass. So I think you think, well, this is a polished gemstone. It might be fine. You know, and they're mm-hmm. putting, like you said, eggs and, and jade and different amethyst Benoit balls up there and being like the stones do your energy. And it's very frightening. Mm-hmm. Or like holding the eggs in. Yeah. So that, that's not how you probably with too works. much fucking money. <laughs> right? <laughs> I always like to say just because you can doesn't mean you should. Always. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the real thing in my vagina. Right. But, Who doesn't? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> and there are lots of there are plenty of things that are are quality products that you can put inside of your orifices and yes. you know know the correct thing to put where and making sure that you're not going to be making a trip to the emergency room where someone's going to be laughing at you because they will be laughing at you every single time. Okay, does masturbation help with your pelvic floor? So the answer is it depends. Um, orgasm is. A combination of chemical things and a big pelvic floor contraction. And so for some people, uh, that big pelvic floor contraction, if they're having a lot of pain, can actually relax those muscles and allow them to be intimate with their partner or do other things through their day with less pain. Sometimes people who have that overtight pelvic floor, when they have that big muscle contraction, it's almost like their pelvis kind of locks up and that actually increases their pain. So it depends. I'm a big fan of orgasm. I think that everyone should have one yeah. as many times as they want. Yes. And <laughs> well, I you think know, it's and- important to know how you respond to it. So if you're having pain with your orgasm, then that's a sign that there's probably mm-hmm. something going on in your pelvic floor and you probably need some assistance with that. This is going to be TMI, but I enjoy, I can multiple orgasm and there are some masturbation sessions with myself that... I like to see how many I can have in so much time. And I just think that it really, it's really helped with me going to the bathroom and such. But if I have, um, if I have, say, maybe five or six good orgasms with a Hitachi, 
I feel so much better after mm-hmm. that. I know that those muscles are getting used. Yes, you're getting blood yeah. flow to that tissue. Yeah. Things mm-hmm. are working the way that they're supposed to. You know, having an orgasm can be a sign that your pelvic floor is doing what it's supposed to do. And I think that's really important. And, you know, everybody is so different. And there's not like a one size fits all for what you should and shouldn't do with your pelvic floor. But if it makes you feel better, and you feel like things are stronger, and I mean, it is a little bit of a strength training session. So, you know, if it feels good, and you're not having pain, or you're not having, you know, problems with it, go for it. I just want to be able to one day rip off a dick with my vagina. I don't think that's quite how the pelvic floor works, but keep dreaming and tell me when you do that. You know I will. You I know, know I'll you call will. you right Gee, after. I'll, I will be the first phone call that you will make after you do that. And I'm going to rip it off. That brings me back to you. Do you remember that guy who said that um, when when women get raped that they can just turn their vagina off? Mm-hmm. You know, like a light switch, like it He's just like a senator or something. Yeah, right? like it just closes up and, and that, like and that protects them from literally rape. be like a bat that you can just knock the total <laughs> crap on C-SPAN. Like when they say stuff like that, you should just be like able a to nerf be like, bat. How? Just have yeah, a nerf I don't bat know. Just, just so that they really realize. Like, are you flipping kidding? I me? always wonder what their wives think of them. If they just if they're in bed at night and they go, "Are you a fucking idiot? Why would you say something like that?" I'm like this and <laughs> reading, crease me, Daddy. I need you to put ten thousand in my account tomorrow. That's all that. That's all they think about. <laughs> they haven't touched their wives since they hired the new pool boy. You know? <laughs> like who are you kidding? Yeah, okay. let's make a law about someone's vagina. I don't you even say, like before, to look at them. Before you say something stupid <laughs> like that, just open up a damn biology book or something, please. How about just you don't say anything <laughs> stupid? How, why? What difference does it make? It's rape. Like, who cares what the vag does in that instance? You got a whole body being affected by it than just a whole and, and from a pelvic floor perspective, there is one muscle, it's called the cavernosus, and the name is bigger than the muscle itself, and it does go right around the opening of the vagina, and that's that little gatekeeper muscle that we talked about earlier, and sometimes with a history of trauma, that muscle learns to clamp and close, mm-hmm. and so you can't penetrate, well you can if you're really forceful and terrible, it's just going to make the experience worse for the person being penetrated. Yeah. It's not going to stop a rapist from doing what they want to do, and... and there are some of those physiological protective things that are in place. And if you have a partner who really cares, they're not going to push past that. But if you have a partner who doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Mm. So I get, you get the freaking, I get where he was wrong, but because he read a snippet of whatever. (laughs) Yes. He took a very small piece of pelvic floor anatomy and chose to make it sound like the sound bite he needed. Basically. Again, the bat just, just here give it to one of the girls i mean <laughs> we're trying in 2021 not to men bash but oh y'all make it so fucking difficult <laughs> well i don't i don't care if a girl said it hit her with the bat just it's just something it though i know Again, we need better education about our bodies and how things work. And 
There are lots of good resources out there online. I don't know any offhand, but you could probably Google them or you can send me a DM and I will happily help educate you on anything that you want to know about your pelvic floor. Because it's not rocket science. It's not. It's pelvic floor science. <laughs> so, you know, thank God for that. How can they get in touch with you if they want to email you? Yeah. So I have um, I have my website. It's paceyourselfphysicaltherapy.com. One question I have is, so I am in perimenopause, so I'm still doing a lot of bleeding right now. Is there anything that I can do um, to help me with that? Um, Or is it just, this is the way it's going to be free for all? You can call your gynecologist. Yeah, so that's more of a hormonal and reproductive issue. It's not a pelvic floor or musculoskeletal issue. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't resources. Talk to your gynecologist, and they will be able to help you with that, but that's not my scope of practice to help with. But she's a true professional. I like that. What are some small exercises that people can do to help their pelvic floor? That you can share on Yeah, that you can share. Excellent. You know, describing things without visuals. It's great. No, just kidding. Um, So when I'm thinking, we talked about like the Kegel and we talked about the short and the, the long ones. Your pelvic floor has a full range of motion to it and you should be able to access that full range of motion. So when you contract those muscles, it should almost kind of tighten and lift up inside of you. So if you think about your pelvic floor like an elevator, when you're at rest, your pelvic floor is at the ground floor. And when you tighten, it should go up to about the fifth floor. And then when you relax, it should go back down to the ground floor. Now, if those muscles are a little short and tight, you might be living on that second floor. Uh, And so as you do more of those, you might feel like, oh, I'm relaxing a little bit more. Or you might feel like, oh, I can't relax anymore. And if you're having either of those issues, call someone, ask for some help. With that same elevator imagery, so if you were going to lengthen your pelvic floor, it's almost the same movement as if you're going to gently pass gas. I'm not talking like force one out and make it sound as gross as possible. I'm talking like a very gentle, dainty boop. Um, Or if you're going to gently start a bowel movement. So if you're going, if your contraction goes from the ground floor up to the fifth floor, your lengthen goes from the ground floor just into the basement. It's not a very big movement. It's not bear down as hard as you can, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, can I find that good contract? Can I let it go? And can I gently lengthen it? And doing like five or 10 of those can just help you kind of figure out like, what is my pelvic floor doing? Can I even find those muscles? Do I know what that should feel like? You can also put your hand onto your pelvic floor. So there are a couple places that are really easy to feel it. So if you're familiar with yoga, they talk about your sits bones, those bones that you sit on when you're sitting on the floor. Your pelvic floor also attaches to those bones. So if you take your hand and just put it kind of on the inside of that bone or close to your underwear seam and maybe in just a little bit, you can feel those muscles. So when you do that contraction and your hand is right there, you should feel a little gentle lift away from your fingers. And then when you relax, it should come back into your hand. And then when you lengthen, it should just very gently push down into your fingers. It's not a huge movement. Again, it's not like this huge, powerful whoop on either either way. Mm -hmm. But finding those muscles and just really feeling, okay, what's happening there? Can I find this motion? And that can give you a lot of information about your pelvic health. I would say even if you're not having any issues at all, doing five or ten of those, you know, 
first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening, just checking in saying, hey, how are things going, is a great thing to do for pelvic health. And again, if you start having any issues with that motion, phone a friend. That's what we're here for. Yes. Um, as far as other exercises, we talked about the pelvic floor and the core teammates. And so you have this deep abdominal muscle. It's called the transverse abdominus muscle. And it's almost like a girdle or a corset, which I know Jen is very familiar with her corsets. So it starts in your back and wraps around into your front. And when you tighten those muscles, they almost draw in and back towards your spine. And in a lot of workout classes, they talk about drawing your belly button towards your spine. And Mm -hmm. what I see people doing is pulling their whole belly in like they're trying to suck in for a picture. Yeah. And what you're doing when you're doing that big tighten is that you are engaging all of the muscles of your abdominal wall. Mm -hmm. And what you really should be doing is just those deep muscles because your obliques and your rectus, so the muscles on the side and those six-pack muscles, those are your mover muscles. The transverse abdominal muscles are your stabilizers. So if you can find those deep, deep muscles and hold that, then it allows your mover muscles to work around it and will make your core exercises much more efficient. Mm. So to find that deep transverse muscle, a couple things that I really like to do with patients, I'll have them just like lean over a countertop, let their belly totally relax. And instead of thinking about belly button to spine, almost think about that space right above your pubic bone up towards your spine. So it's lower and it's deeper than what they cue in a lot of classes. Mm -hmm. And if you can find that in that position and make sure you're letting it go all the way, then you can add it into when you're doing a core exercise. And then you know that when you do that belly button to spine, you know that you're doing that deeper transverse that they're after, and you're going to see more benefit out of your core exercises. Where can we find you? Give us all your credentials, your email, where we can find you. So probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is Instagram, and I'm at Pace Yourself PT. I have Facebook page, Pace Yourself Physical Therapy. I have my website, which is PaceYourselfPhysicalTherapy.com. And then my email is Emily at PaceYourselfPhysicalTherapy.com. Did you learn anything today? I have learned a lot today. I have learned a super lot. And I was quiet. How about that? I know. I'm so proud of you. I didn't have to say bitch please once. I know. I'm trying. I hope everybody has enjoyed this. What are we calling it again? I've done forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Or healthy talk. (laughs) Right now it's healthy talk. Healthy talk. We may change that name. Yeah, I don't like it. I I, I like the talk. I could do it all day. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> if you would like to talk to us, you could email us at cabingirltime.com. No, at gmail.com. I don't even know my own thing. Cabingirltime at gmail.com. Instagram, cabingaletime, which is my Instagram. And I am Braddy Von Beaverhausen on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Gab and Girl Time. And you can find us on Twitter at Gab and Girl Time. I know you look like, do we still have a Twitter? We do. We, we just, do. We I just haven't don't even use it. done anything with it. It's just so we can create people. You can sign in. Who do you want to look at? We can look at everybody else and then get off. And you can find us on TikTok. I'm going to make a new segment of TikToks called Braddy's Bites of Goodness. Yeah. And it's just little affirmations to get you going throughout the day. Little tips of wisdom that you take from a 49-year-old woman who's done absolutely nothing with her life. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Like, seriously, bitch. 
Please. I know, I'm, I'm going to find it today. I'm putting red up. I'm calling red. <laughs> you don't even get to slow down. That's just ridiculous. But I I miss you so much. Oh, I miss you too. This whole pandemic and, has been awful. And, and I, I miss my people and social lives and your shows and all the things. And I miss just talking to you. I'm super happy I got to meet you. I know. I am, too. I, I mean, I listen to you. You come into my house all the time. You just don't realize it. I didn't know. I'm sure you want to bitch please me quite a bit, too. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the skip ahead is for. No, <laughs> right? Exactly. Hey, I am very self-aware. <laughs> I know I'm problematic. I'm trying. I'm working on it. It's baby steps a little at a time. Small, consistent changes make true change. So that's why I haven't been mad at myself whenever I haven't. I have not eaten any processed sugar. That's what we're going to call it. Processed sugar for the new year. We talked what? about that earlier. But I'm looping like my old person. There's a lot of dementia dust in the air. <laughs> so. That's a new one. <laughs> dementia dust. That's what I think. <laughs> I keep cleaning out closets and then, then I loop my memory is bad. I think I'm inhaling dementia dust. But we hope you enjoyed this. We thank you so much for listening to. Oh, wait, are you going to sing with us? No, what? not at the end. Oh, Sorry. Not just a little bit. Not just a little bit. It's for the best. Nobody needs to hear that. Well, we are truly grateful everybody's listening. Okay, yeah. We could always sing bad too. <laughs> Is anybody <laughs> under the impression that I've been singing good? <laughs> This whole time, like, like, is this? A I don't thing? think you sing terrible. Oh my gosh, really? I just yeah. hear cat nails scratching on a <laughs> on a chalkboard. <laughs> That's why I thought you gave me the bean. I thought you threw me a bone there. <laughs> like, oh, she can do the bean. <laughs> That'll work. Oh like my gosh, playing the triangle. Right. <laughs> the band. <laughs> So, you're Tracy the freaking Partridge family 100% knocking the tambourine on my head and my knee out of time yes oh my gosh perfect if you've listened this long thank you you're the real hero that's right <laughs> we thank you so much listening to Gavin Girl Time Gavin Girl Time Girl Time, Girl time. Girl time. Oh, 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 oh.